Hey church, this is our last installment in our I Am series. I have loved, really loved this series. I love learning more deeply about Jesus with you. I've loved sharing what I've learned with you. I've loved just discovering more about my identity in Christ. And that has led to more abundance in my life. And I hope it has for yours as well. And so we're going to finish our series off with something really cool, something really beautiful. We're going to finish it off with I am creator. We're all creators because God is a creator. We're all, you all have the capability of being creative, of, of thinking of things, of dreaming of things, of putting things together, of, of making things and, and making things beautiful and magnificent. And, uh, and so, and, and all those things, when we do that, it just points people back to Jesus. It points people back to the creator. It points people to the father. And, and so I want to start off today because you might be one of those people who's like, oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I'm not very creative or, oh, you know, it's not something that, that I do. And maybe you just haven't understood yet where your creativity lies. And for me, um, I used to think, oh, I'm not very creative, but then I realized that ideas are are create that ideas are a way to be creative, and I have a lot of ideas. Or um, writing is an act of creation, or even sermon prepping and putting this together is an act of creation. And I remember, oh, someone saying that to me, thinking, oh, wow, like I never thought about it like that before. So when you think of creatives, you often think of, oh, well, I'm not a painter, or you know, I, I can't draw something or I'm not a musician. I'm like not musically inclined, but those are just segments of creativity. There's a whole world out there for us to partake in and to be creative in. And so I want to start with this exercise to get us all in like in, in a little bit of a creator mode. And <clears throat> and so we're going to do this together. It won't be off screen in your R3. It'll be in your R3, but on screen. I want you if you can, eyes open or eyes closed, but sometimes eyes closed help us imagine better. So if you, if you will, you can do eyes closed. I don't really know why that helps us imagine better because, I mean, I guess it eliminates distraction, but whatever you're imagining is in here. But either way, eyes open or eyes closed. I want you to imagine green. Yes just the color, just green. I want you to imagine green. And so take some time, eyes open, eyes closed. I have mine closed now. And just try to imagine green. It's kind of hard, but take your time. Imagine green. And now think about this. How does green make you feel? So if you can imagine green, how does it make you feel? Sorry for the sidewalk chopping they're doing outside. The, the little buzzsaw. Try to, try to imagine green and think about how it makes you feel. How does green make you feel? If it helps, think about things like grass, like green grass. When grass is brown, 
You feel a certain way when grass is green, it feels a certain way. Even like tact tactilely on your body, right? It feels differently. But emotionally, mentally, how does it make you feel? Think about plants, you know, a lush jungle, even like green water. And you're like, green water? Yeah, like the Caribbean. In the Caribbean, there's like some beautiful green water. British Columbia, there's like a green lake. Uh, Italy, there's a whole green lake where it's like emerald green. It's, it's beautiful and it's natural. And, and so green water. Or think about, you know, greenwashing is a thing now where, where things, where products are sold with green so that people think they're eco-friendly, right? So think about green and how products have green on them. And it, it feels like, oh, that's a, that's a good product. You know, so, so imagine green. Think about how it makes you feel and just be in that greenness. I know this is weird. This is kind of weird. But it's going to get us, get our creative juices flowing. Now, psychologists, <clears throat> they say that green produces a feeling of abundance. It produces refreshment and peace and rest and security. That green feels safe. So, in, you know, in, with products, it feels eco-friendly. It feels good. Green feels good. Green also implies, like, new beginnings. It implies growth, uh, health, renewal. Like, when you see green, it's those things. We use green also. You think about it, we use green to mean go. So, like, picture a green light. Like, green means go, right? You go forward. Uh, we also can say, you know... You have a green light or things are green. Like it means like, oh, things are good to go here. Things are good here. Uh, so we even use that terminology in a certain way. Now think about this. So you imagine green and everything that's green we talked about. God actually created green. Isn't that interesting to think about? So this thing that we use to communicate certain things, this color, this thing that we call a color, that, we, that, that is on certain plants and grass and water, this thing that makes us feel like, oh, that signifies renewal and growth, health, prosperity, this thing that makes us feel a feeling of abundance and, and lushness. This thing that's a very magnificent part of our world, God created. He created that thing, which we now call a color, and that color which we now call green. It's strange to think about, isn't it? That God thought hey, what can I do to communicate all these things? What can I do that's going to be so appealing to the human eye and the human heart that's going to give a feeling like this of abundance? What can I create? Oh, I'll create something they can see. What is see? <laughs> what is sight? Oh, I got to create the eyeball. And it's got to be able to accept this thing that I'm going to call a color, that I'm going to call green, or they're going to call it that. Um, 
and it's going to give them this certain feeling. God created that. How amazing is that? How magnificently beautiful is it that God created that thing called green? Green was actually created on the third day. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming it was because that's the day God created plants. So it was on the third day. Um, yeah, the sun, moon, stars, all that God was doing first, second day, third day, God creates dry land. So before that, it's just waters. So now there's dry land. And then he also on the third day, it's a double blessing. He, he causes vegetation to sprout up. So it's like, it was kind of like the first time God created green. It's like, oh, look at that. Yeah, that's going to do it. That color, that, 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 that thing is going to communicate what I wanted to communicate on the third day. It's why on the third day in Hebrew and Jewish culture, uh, it's often associated with abundance. Uh, because of this double blessing of dry land and then the vegetation. And, and so God is creator. He created things like green. He created your favorite color, yellow, red, purple. He created that and the feeling that that color gives you. He created that thing. And it's just amazing, that thing we take for granted, that thing called green or whatever your favorite color is. What's amazing and, and hard to understand with this too is God has called us to join him in that creative process. He's called us to do that with him. It's actually the image of God in you. He's put that inside you. That's the image. That's the imago Dei. That's God saying, I create a male and female both in my image, I created them. And I put this creator tendency, drive, passion, longing inside your soul. Because I am creator. And you can be too. And so in this passage, we see this really sweet picture of Jesus displaying that for the disciples. Here's the context. This is at the end of the book of John. Yes, the, the weird one with a strange Jesus. We're going to see more strange Jesus here. <laughs> You're going to see. Um, but in verse, uh, sorry, in chapter 20, at the beginning, the, the cross has happened. Jesus was buried and he has um, resurrected. He's been raised to life. Mary's at the tomb it's empty. She goes, tells the disciples, Peter and John run ahead. And it says, John believes in, in verses one through 10. So John believes. He sees the empty tomb and, he tomb and he believes. And then Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and she believes. And then Jesus appears to the 10 disciples minus Thomas. And there may have been other men and women in the room too as disciples, right? But when you take the, the 11 apostles that were still left, um, there's only 10 of them there. And then add in the, the other people who were probably in the room, but minus Thomas. And 
he appears to them and they believe. And then, eight days later, Thomas is with the ten, and Jesus appears to them again, and Thomas believes. And then we see many, 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 many others believe. And so that's the context of the book. Um, our passage lies right in the middle of that context. And, uh, and Jesus appears to them. And so what was about to happen is what's, what theologians call a theophany, or in Jesus' case, a Christophany, Christ. Christophany, Christophany. And uh, it's, it's an appearing of God. It's an appearing of, of Christ. And uh, a lot of these happen in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament. Uh, you have these theophanies where, uh, like, for instance, uh, with Abraham or Moses or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, the, in a fiery furnace. And there's a pattern, there's a pattern with these theophanies or Christophanies that we're going to follow here in this passage. And the pattern is this. When the Christophany or theophany happens, theophany meaning theos, God. So theophany, Christophany, okay? Um, and uh, the pattern is, one, when this happens, fear is there. So there's fear. And then the second thing is, well, peace is declared. Okay, like peace be with you. Shalom be with you. Uh, and the third thing is a commission. Okay, so this passage, we're going to walk through fear, peace, and commission. And we're going to see how Jesus is creator and he's empowered us to do so as well. All right, verse 19. On the evening of that day, so that day is the day that Jesus resurrected that John believed, that Mary believed. The first day of the week, guys, the first day of the week, this is Sunday, right, for us. This is the Lord's day. Um, Like at that point in time, Jesus resurrecting, appearing to people and people believing changed the entire trajectory of our lifestyle, of our worship, of our living, where Sunday became the first day of the week. It's the Lord's day, right? Because Jesus um, resurrected on that day. So, Uh, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So the disciples are inside, locked up for fear of the Jews. And here's the thing, guys. We shouldn't look down on them too much for this. Because after all, the authorities have come at night before. And at that time, they stole Jesus. They took him away. I mean, he, he went with them willingly, right? But they came to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane at night. So the disciples, that was only a few days ago. They had precedence for being scared and um, being behind closed doors. At the same time, we're just like this, aren't we? Like God has called us to create. As follows Jesus, we're to be the creators of society, the ones building in all domains of of society, the ones creating, and yet we're hiding in the darkness behind closed doors. Ah. We're hiding in our suburbs. We're hiding or we're fleeing the city where culture is created. We just imitate culture, right? All those shirts when I was growing up. 
uh, where they took brand names and made them into like Abercrombie and Fitch, a bread com- a breadcrumb and fish, or something like that. Um, Air Jordan became Air Jesus. Right? Like we're not called to imitate culture; we're called to create it. We're just like the disciples, hiding behind closed doors in the darkness, unwilling to share our light because we're scared, and they're scared here. But Jesus doesn't let closed doors stop him. Uh, He walks through the doors. He walks through the walls and he stands among them. So he has a different body, obviously. Um, He has been raised. He's been glorified. He tells Mary earlier, don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. So something's different about him because she doesn't recognize him either. She thinks he's the gardener. So she doesn't even recognize him. So until he speaks... So there's something different. His body now can walk through walls. If it doesn't walk through walls, it teleported inside. So his body can do that. Um, Later, we're going to see his body ascend into the heavens. So like, um, yeah, that's that's the glorified body. We get glimpses of it. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, um, the doors are locked and Jesus is there. However, he gets there one way or another. We're not exactly sure, but they're in fear. And the first thing he says to him is, peace be with you. And then he shows them his hands and his side. He says, look, it's me, the nails, right? I was stabbed with the spear here. I got the nail, the nail piercings here. And then it says the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And guys, They've seen, a resurrect, they've seen a resurrection before. This isn't the first time. Lazarus, Jesus just raised Lazarus from the dead after he was in the tomb for four days. So they just saw that back in John chapter 11. And so they've seen that before, but, but Jesus is different, right? This is, something's different about him. He has, he has this body that's different. And so now they're like, oh, it's Jesus. You're, it's, it's, it's you. Uh, and guys, often Thomas gets a bad rap as like the doubter, doubting Thomas. That's a cultural, uh, phrase we use too, to describe someone who, who just maybe is pessimistic or who doubts. And, and I I think Thomas actually gets kind of a bad rap. Now he is pretty pessimistic. There's other instances of it back in John 11, but Lazarus, he's like, why don't we all just go die with him? You know, things like that. But in this passage, when he doesn't believe and he says, hey, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my hand in his side, I will never believe. He's kind of just asking for the evidence that the other disciples got. He's just saying, hey, give me the same information. Give, give me the same thing. Um, because the disciples do see that. Right? He, Jesus says to them, touch here and touch my side. Look, or, or he says, look, he showed it to them. Right. Um, Thomas actually asked to put his hand on his side, which is a little, a little uh, weird uh, that, that he was. A, so, yeah, Thomas is a little pessimistic at times. Um, but I don't know if he's like quite the doubter we give uh, we've, we've made him out to be. So um, going to verse 21, Jesus says to them again, peace be with you. So he gives them peace again. And then he says, as the Father 
has sent me, even so I am sending you. So what I want us to see over the next few verses here is this pattern of creation. And so we're going to see Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and Genesis 3 in these next three verses. Or sorry, in these next, yeah, in these next three verses. So Jesus says, I'm sending you just as the Father sent me. This is Genesis 1. It's the image of God is in you. It's you were made in my image, male and female, I created both you in my image. Now, go be fruitful and multiply. Live out the cultural, what's called the cultural mandate. Exercise dominion over this world, over this earth. Be fruitful, be multiply, make disciples. And spread out everywhere. And be my people and my kingdom all over this world. You have the authority to take my rule and my reign and to spread that wherever you go. You are creator. That's Genesis 1. That's how God made us. That's how God made you. That's your identity in Christ. We all share that if you're in Christ. And that's your destiny in Christ. We all share that. And we get to influence our city and the world in that way. So he's created us for this. And then in verse 22, this is Genesis 2. And when he, Jesus, had said this, he breathed on them. Okay, this is where the strange thing I was referring to happens. Jesus is like, ah. <laughs> he just breathes on them. And they're probably like, what are you, like, what are you doing? But I bet, I bet Jesus didn't have bad breath because he's in a glorified body. I bet his breath smelled like, I don't know, what would you want it to smell like? Freshly baked bread? Is that weird? Like roses? I don't know. Roses don't have the best scent. Um, cologne or perfume? Like, I don't know. I bet it's, it was a sweet fragrance, an aroma of life to life, as Second Corinthians says, of a, a fragrance of, of Jesus saving us, right? How, how amazing. I don't know what that smells like, but I bet God's created it. Right, just like he created green, I bet he created this, this like amazing scent, this aroma that Paul talks about of what life to life smells like. And maybe we haven't even smelled it. Or maybe we have, and it's pizza. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, pizza's probably life to life. Yeah. So uh, Genesis 2, Jesus, Jesus breathes on him. And this is a picture of Genesis 2 because... God breathes, he breathes the breath of life into, into Adam back in Genesis 2. He breathes the breath of life into him. It's so intimate, so personal. He speaks the rest of creation into existence. He just tells it what to do. He speaks green into existence. I don't know how you do that. God just like thing, whatever he called it. Green, like appear green, and it was there. He's like, yeah, I like that. That that looks really that looks really abundant. Like that's gonna communicate new growth. Like how God's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, guys, ah, oh, we have that ability. God breathe His life into us. He's breathed His Jesus here. He breathes on them, and He says, receive the Holy Spirit. 
This is the same Holy Spirit that back in Genesis 1 that was hovering over the darkness, over the deep, over the waters. It's the same Holy Spirit that, that is the deposit in us that Paul says in Ephesians 1 that is guaranteeing your inheritance in Christ Jesus for eternity. This is the same Holy Spirit that is the counselor, the protector, the leader into all truth. That's the Holy Spirit that dwells inside you. That's who lives in you. Your creator. Stop denying it. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, the image of God in you, you are creator because he is creator. Jesus says, I am creator. Oh, you have the ability to go and create and to make things instead of just, just imbibing this culture, just getting, getting drunk on this world. You have the ability to create new things. You have the ability to be like Jesus in that way, to be like the Father, to work in the power of the Holy Spirit. And to tell people, no, you don't have to be satisfied with that. That's a man-made thing. Let me show you a God-made thing. That's Genesis 2. So great. Everything is so magnificent. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. Unfortunately, Genesis 3 happens. Genesis 3 is the fall. It's where mankind chooses to sin. And verse 23, he says, he says, though, here's how to rectify that. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus has given them the Holy Spirit. And he said, you can bring back Genesis 1 and 2. You can bring us back to the Garden of Eden. You can bring people back into grace. You can bring people back into mercy. You can bring people from unforgiveness and in the wrath of God, you can bring them into forgiveness and into the love of God. You have the ability to do that. You do. You have the keys, he says in Matthew 16, to the kingdom of heaven. You get to loose things on earth. You get to release things on earth that are released in heaven. You get to bind things up in earth, and whenever you do that, it's bound in heaven. You get to do that. You have the authority to do that. You have the duty and the responsibility and the right to do that. That is our mission with God. That is your destiny in Christ. We get to join him in those things. We get to, like, this is, like, guys, you might be uneasy. God has already forgiven, right? So this is more of not the act of like, oh, I'm for I'm I'm forgiving you of all your sins. God's done that. We proclaim that. But at the same time, on the on the um, on the more um, uh, the smaller level, the more molecular level, I guess, with between individuals, I have the power to forgive you. And you have the power to forgive me. I have the power to accept it. You have the power to accept it from me. Like in relationships, right? Like we've, um, there's cosmic forgiveness, right? There's forgiveness for all of our sins that we've ever committed, things like that. But also when you sin against me, I can come to you and say, hey, don't worry about it. I forgive you. Let's move forward and get better together. When you sin against me, 
I can do the same. It's a beautiful, creative, creator relationship where we get to create good things in one another by forgiving one another. It's weird that he says, this is the thing I give you. It's weird that he says that. He doesn't say, go pray for one another. Hey, go to church with one another. Hey, um, he doesn't say anything else. He says, forgiveness is the weapon I'm giving you against the destruction of the enemy to create on my behalf. Why? Why does he say that? Well, because he's made us new creations in Christ through his forgiveness. And we get to make people new creations in Christ. Here's the thing, though. Jesus breathes forgiveness. He breathes the Holy Spirit, right? So he breathes forgiveness. How many of you have breathed in forgiveness, but exhaled bitterness, resentment, insults, unforgiveness, vengeance, retribution? Jesus inhales forgiveness and he exhales it. You are created and empowered to do both. To inhale the forgiveness of of Christ and then to exhale it into this world. A fragrance and aroma of life to life. Your destiny is to create with Christ. Create what? What are we creating? Well, I mean, all good things. Like you have the ability to create all good things with Christ, but... Let's just focus on what the pinnacle of God's creation was or is. The pinnacle comes in day six, where God says, that's very good. The other days he pronounces good, then on the, on the sixth day he says, man, I outdid myself. Like, I thought green was cool, but I just created humans. Green doesn't carry my image. Green can't exercise authority. Green can make people feel certain things, but green can't forgive. Green can't create. But I just made something where I can put my very image in, where that thing can create other things. It's us, guys. It's us. And so if you are actually going to be creator... If you're actually going to follow Jesus in this way, if you're going to actually assume your full identity in Christ as creator, I'm not asking you to create a nice watercolors painting or just uh, write a song or just um, a nice meal. Like all those things are good, but they fall into what you should be creating. They're, they're tools and they're vehicles for, for creating, for us creating the pinnacle of creation. Disciple makers. And so you may use your watercolors, your meal, your song, 
whatever the thing is, for the end of the, to, to go on mission with God. But if we want to, if we want to join God in the pinnacle of creating, we're going to be disciple creators. You're going to be disciple makers. You're going to create disciples with Jesus. You know, in Acts 1, he says, I'm going to give you, this is right after this, like turn, I just turned one page in my Bible and Acts 1 is here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to do what? Be my witnesses everywhere, to, to exercise dominion everywhere, be my witnesses and be disciple creators, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Remember green? Think about that. Think green right now. That's new growth. It's abundance. It's new beginnings. It's renewal. It's health. It's prosperity. It's peace. It's rest. It's security. And now, picture someone in your life who needs green. Put them on that green screen that you have pictured in your mind. That person who you want to create as a disciple of Jesus. Good news is God's already working there. You're just asking him where to join him. Put someone in that spot in your mind. You are a new creation. In Christ Jesus, they can be too. You're a creator, just like Jesus. You can empower that in them too. You are meant and designed and destined to be a disciple creator, a disciple maker. And they are too. So now go and make disciples of all people around you because you are a creator. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you've called us, that you have equipped us, that I just marvel that you even see us fit to join you in this work. I'm so unworthy. But you've made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. To be a minister of reconciliation, an ambassador for Christ. And so thank you for the privilege, for the responsibility, for the trust. To give me gifts and talents and passions and abilities to use for you, to create 
disciples who create disciples who create disciples. May our church be that. May our church be a creator like you're a creator for your purposes, for your mission, for your kingdom. In your name, Jesus. Amen.